This is Ethan, and I'm here with Dave, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 163-inch. On this episode, we talk to three-time world champion accordion player and Guinness World Record holder, Corey Pesitoro. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Welcome to the episode, and we have a special holiday message for all of our American listeners. Happy Weasel Stomping Day. And to everyone else, happy International Weasel Stomping Day. It's a real shame that Weasel Stomping Day, you know, June 31st, is such a blink-and-you-miss-it type holiday thanks to its proximity to Independence Day here in the United States. Yeah, I totally agree. And I've yet to find a calendar that lists the holiday, let alone the actual day. Sheesh! Well, Dave, how was your Weasel Stomping Day, you know, all things considered? Oh, well, you know, we accidentally bought Miracle Whip instead of the mayonnaise, and we definitely attracted the... Wrong sort of crowd, if you know what I mean. Yikes! Well, that sounds terrible, and I'm really sorry to hear that. And unfortunately, I can't say mine was all that eventful. I was mostly distracted by that incredible new Weird Al music video footage that was released. Oh, yeah, that amazing, amazing Eat It music video that our friend UH Jeff located. Oh, that was amazing. No way, Dave, that's old news. I'm talking about the footage from the Gump music video that was just released. Oh yeah, you're right. And I did notice that Weird Al was not brave enough to share this one himself. Well, luckily, all of our listeners can catch this newly released footage from the Gump music video on our social media, at 2000inch, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Oh, that reminds me of another amusing anecdote. But first, we gotta say, it's time for What's Happening in Weird Al-Related News! Well, as Weird Al shared on his social media, on June 28th, Weird Al and his band performed a cover of the song Peaches by the Presidents of the United States of America at the Moore Theater in Seattle, Washington. And while that's already pretty sick and majestic enough as it is, they were joined on stage by none other than Presidents of the United States of America lead singer Chris Ballou. Yes, Chris and Weird Al sang Peaches and danced around. You should check out the video. It is amazing. It was sure a fun surprise for everyone at that show. And now I'm sure we don't even really need to say it, but of course, Chris joined us on the podcast back on episode 50-inch. And we just visited the Gump Fountain while we were in Los Angeles. And of course, Gump being the parody of Chris Ballou's Lump. And a few episodes ago, we wrote and performed a parody of Peaches about hamsters. So I think it's pretty obvious that Chris and Al got the idea to cover Peaches at the Seattle show from us. And, you know, we can just throw that on the pile of times that Al has taken our great ideas and used them without permission. But we are very flattered. So uh, we're happy to provide great ideas. Well, it was a great idea, but I do have a question. If the guy who wrote and sang the original song is singing on your cover of the song, is it really a cover? 
I mean, you don't say that Weird Al is covering one of his own songs when he plays it live. That's a great question, Dave. And the answer is the world may never know. That is one of the many secrets of the universe. Well, news broke recently that the musician Beck denied Weird Al a parody way back in 1994. According to Beck, Weird Al approached him asking to parody his breakout hit, Loser. In Beck's episode of Audible's Words Plus Music, Beck said, and I quote, Weird Al Yankovic tried to do a version of it. It was going to be called Schmoozer, which I regret denying him permission to do. I think it would have been an amazing video. I'm actually really sad it didn't happen. End quote. Now, of course, since Weird Al famously honors the original artist's wishes, the parody did not go forward. However, it does appear some compromise was reached because Beck's Loser is the opening song on the alternative polka track found on Bad Hair Day. And coincidentally, Beck himself had released a song called Schmoozer on his debut studio album, Golden Feelings, which came out in 1993. Now, as far as our research team can tell, Weird Al has never approached Beck about parodying Schmoozer, calling it Loser. Well, you certainly will not be a loser if you listen to our ridiculously self-indulgent bonus episodes. That's right! For every concert that either Dave and I have attended so far on Weird Al's The Unfortunate Return of the Ridiculously Self-Indulgent Ill-Advised Vanity Tour, we have recorded our concert reviews and are sharing them with you! Absolutely. To date, we have recorded 24 episodes, and our Patreon family can listen up through episode 19 centimeter right now, while our more frugal listeners, I mean the cheapskate, I mean the general public, can hear up through episode 16 centimeter for free via our normal podcast channels. And if our intern Frank is to be believed... (laughs) Right. (laughs) Additional episodes will be dropping for our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family later this week. If you want to be the first to hear our concert reviews, be sure to join the coolest group of cool people over at patreon.com slash 2000 inch. Our Patreon family gets to hear every bonus episode early. And speaking of that, Dave, there are going to be some new Ethan only concerts coming up. Oh, Ethan, what am I going to do with you? Don't tell me that you are going to the two shows in Chicago now. Ding, ding, ding! You got that correct, Dave! Ethan, I think you have a problem, and you're going to need to join AA. You know, Alaholics Anonymous. Well, funny you say that, Dave, because I'm already an Alaholics Anonymous. And I actually plan to see Marty Lake, founder of the AA website, or Alaholics Anonymous, while I'm in Chicago. Well, Ethan, I think you're beyond help. Have fun at the concerts. Well, I sure am looking forward to checking out Chicago and, of course, seeing and meeting our friends and listeners that are out that way and that will be at the concert. So if you're going to be at those shows, please hit me up so we can say hi and I can get you some podcast stickers. This episode is brought to you in part by Vegan Burrito Restaurant, Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound double-wrapped in a quesadilla Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger in Albany, New York. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito, your Burrito Burrito. Or hop on over to Wizard Burger for mouth-watering, loaded, dare I say, beefy vegan burgers. From Troy to Albany to Uranus, Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger feed the hungry with out-of-this-world plant-based real food, always vegan style. Visit BurritoSquared.com and WizardBurger.com to order ahead. Crispy Show and the Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al Podcast Discord put on a special trivia night this past weekend. 
And, well, Dave and I weren't exactly there. We are assuming it was swell, because we love everybody involved. Now, Ethan and I are both very new to Discord ourselves, but we promise it is a fun way to chat with other Weird Al fans who enjoy the podcast and Weird Al, and we absolutely recommend that you check it out. You can even use the custom We Hate Intern Frank emoji. What more can you ask for? To join in on all the fun, follow the link over on 2000inch.com. You know, Dave, it's been a while since we've had a world champion on the podcast. How about you take this interview away? Ethan and I are so very excited to talk to our next guest. We first actually met him after a Weird Al concert in New Bedford, Massachusetts on April 29th. He is a three-time world champion. He owns the Guinness World Record for the longest accordion concert. He has performed for President Clinton a dozen times. I'm so excited to get to talk to Corey Pesatoro. How you doing, Corey? Thank you guys for having me on. And, and no, it's not Weird Corey, unfortunately. <laughs> I don't have that distinct title. <laughs> I, I have the championships, but I don't have the Weird Corey title. Though. Well, Corey, before we get into you know any connections with Weird Al, I, I would just love to know, you know, how did you get into accordion or maybe that does connect to weird al well no it actually it doesn't so how i got into accordion uh was because my dad played back when the accordion was popular and because of especially most immigrants that came to america came from countries where the accordion was very prevalent and that passed on for a couple of generations but then he quit when it wasn't cool anymore and then took it out when i was about nine and a half and said, hey, do you want to play accordion? And I didn't know how unpopular and uncool the darn thing was. <laughs> and I just wanted to, you know, be a good... You want to be a, a good Italian boy and say yes to your parents and, oh, okay, I'll learn accordion. Um, and then I realized that very quickly, within a week or two, it was like, oh, I think I might have a talent for this. Um, and they recognized it more than I did. And I started learning stuff by ear and getting in trouble in my lessons. I'd be like, yeah, I know we played this stupid tune, but I learned this one by a record. <laughs> so um, that, I was like, well, I, this is probably, you know, needs to be my career because this is what I could win at. And I came into accordion much more from a sports perspective because I'm very much a co very competitive person okay. in everything. Uh, yeah, it's not like, now, Corey, I know you're going on a date tonight, but make sure she wins bowling. No, that's not going to happen. I'm going to beat her by 100. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, you know, I came into uh, music because I said, this is something I can win at. I love sports. I love watching them always, but I'm not good at playing them. So this is something I can do. So it really wasn't until even after I won the national championship. I, I always had the goal. I said, I want to make the accordion cool again. I said, this is an interesting goal I could, could achieve. Um, but I, I didn't love it. I liked it. I enjoyed it. But music wasn't something I, I necessarily loved. You know, I, I was. I had to be told to practice. I wasn't one of these kids that, oh, little Johnny practices six hours a day and we don't tell him. Oh, no, no, no. I had to be screamed at to practice. So um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't until I found jazz uh, at 17 that really I started to say, wait a minute, this... I know I've always thought this instrument is incredible, but this instrument is the most amazing instrument in the world. And I could do analytical data with actual objective evidence that this is unquestionably the most incredible instrument ever made uh, for what it can do. And 
you know, that then I became more in love with the actual music aspect, especially the, the communicative aspects of jazz and improvisatory music around the world, like Eastern European music or anything else. Um, but it was kind of, if we go back for Weird Al, when I, I was younger, even through, you know, a lot of my life, I always saw Weird Al as my great enemy because <laughs> Weird Al was Ooh. the most famous accordion player in the United States since Dick and Tino, which, you know, the fame of accordion was Guido Darrow in the 1910s and 20s uh, and into the 30s a bit. And then Dick and Tino became wildly popular in 1948, 9, 50, 51. And he really was the reason that most people, including my dad, played. And then after he went away, there was no one until Weird Al. But Dick and Tino and Guido Darrow were top, top accordion players. Where Weird Al, I'm like, this guy can barely play accordion, and he's the most popular accordion player. What the hell's up with this guy? You know. So I, I always saw him as my enemy. Um, and then it kind of just clicked one day in one of his videos. I don't even remember just one. I'm just like, wait a minute. This guy's brilliant. I have to stop thinking of him as an accordion player. He's a comedian that uses accordion. And he's an incredibly brilliant comedian. I mean, the, the, the whole word crimes thing is one of the... <laughs> the best tunes I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> you, you don't have to go to English class. Just watch Word Crimes. And so then I went and saw him at Foxwoods, I don't know, four or five years ago, the casino in Connecticut. Yeah. And, and took a friend down there, and we went and, and saw him. And when I saw that concert, I went, wait a minute. He's actually half decent at the accordion. He's not bad. <laughs> and And he's actually better... Then a lot of these people that go to these accordion conventions and accordion groups around the country, and they play, and they're like, yeah, my next tune will be, and they play, and they think they're good, and I'm like, he's better than a lot of them. And this is kind of just a side thing for him, that he just, you know, plays it. So it kind of changed, where it's like, thank God this guy kept the accordion on the map, and he can play, uh, and, he, and he's good at different styles. And so it kind of, it completely changed, and the guy I thought was my enemy. He's like, no, this, this guy's very important. I love him. And, and what happened was, the, the, as the concert we were at, they said, now, everybody that doesn't have an after-show pass, please leave. Get the heck out. You're not weird enough. But if you do have the after-show pass, then you can stay. You get to meet Weird Al. So I immediately you know, go into my Italian mafia mode, and I go, into the, I go to the security guy, and I say, hey, look, look, um, here's my card. Look, I'm a multiple world champion accordion player. You know, Not to brag here, but I have to. Uh, I've got to meet. Al. <laughs> so he takes the card, he goes, wait a minute, and he goes over to some other security guard and comes back and says, yeah, all right, you just just stay here. I said, all right, let me let me be last, because I want to talk to him last. Yeah. And I was, I made sure I was last in the line, and, and talked to him for, I don't know, almost 10 minutes, and we just talked about what accordions we had, the Roland, we both play Rolands and things like that. Wow. And I couldn't believe how calm he was. I thought Weird Al was crazy. He's very calm when you talk to him. He's just like, you know, normal guy. Just, you know, he's out. Uh, <laughs> got a different persona. So we had a very fun accordion thing. And I told him that first time. I said, you know, I thought you were my enemy for a long time. <laughs> he thought it was pretty funny. So, um, and then come to find out how I came to this show, too, was that one of the best young bass players in America is Miles J, who's out in, in L.A. And I've played with Miles many times. We're massive fans of each other. And... Somehow I played with him probably 20 times before he said, by the way, um, my dad is uh, Steve J. And uh, uh, very sad. I said, oh, wait, um, okay, wait, who's Steve J? And he goes, well, he's, he's you know been Weird Al's bass player since the beginning. I went, oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> so finally, 
finally it worked out where I was not in travel and he was coming to New Bedford. So I, I got to know Steve really well. And Steve is just, oh my God, what a guy. What a wonderful guy Steve J is. I just <laughs> can't say enough about him. Yeah. And, um, oh, yes. <laughs> oh, God. It's just uh, so we have, you know, a love fest there. And, and so he, he got this all to happen. And uh, and then that's how you guys met me, and, and I just you know did the concert outside the the Weird Al concert. I gave I gave the post Weird Al concert, and then you saw even the tour manager was came out was filming. <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah, but um, yeah, so that's how this how that's how this all happened. We got to talk about that impromptu concert. Yeah, we have to talk about this because uh, you, you know I, Steve J comes out after the concert, and he's walking with this this gentleman. I assume it's one of Steve's friends, you know. And then um, you know we're casually talking to you, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Steve goes, "Oh, by the way, uh, this is Corey Pesitaro. He's the national champion, accordion champion." And we're like, "What? Why didn't you lead with that?" You know, we're all accordion fans here at the Weird Al concert. And then you were like, "Well, would you like to?" see my accordion and then you brought out this most beautiful accordion i've ever seen this red and yellow wrapped in vinyl oh it was, it was beautiful you're gonna have to describe that in a minute after i get done telling this story but then you were like well would you guys like to hear the accordion and then you just did like impromptu for at least 30 minutes just played accordion for us out on the streets of new bedford it was the most amazing surreal thing that ever happened after a weird Al concert <laughs> well that that's quite an honor it was a full concert after the concert you were like taking requests too which was incredible You're, you played uh, like super mario brothers you played some zelda music it was amazing it was wonderful no that that's my thing i'm a firm believer in um if you're going to call yourself a professional, that's that's part of the deal. Is you know being able to have a lot of music prepared is 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 one thing, but you also have to understand music at a level where if someone says, "Do you know the song?" you should be able to at the worst say, "No." Can you pull it up on YouTube and give it to me in a minute, and I'll listen to it and be able to figure. Unless it's not too crazy, but you know, if you can hear it in your head, can you play it? Um, and that, you know, wow. just understanding the full aspect of music. And I do, I'm known in the accordion world to do this where I will go on stage and, you know, I might play 40 minutes or 45 minutes of whatever I may have somewhat prepared going by what it is in the audience. And then I'll just start taking requests and people are like, oh, there must be a gimmick. Like he must've had people in the audience. Because you said you hadn't played that tune in 10 years. I'm like, no, it's true. God's on night hadn't played it. It's like, well, why, right. why would you dare play it on stage? Like, well, that's, to me, that's my job. As a if, if I can hear it in my head and my technique is ready, I should be able to pull it off. Um, so, and, and, you know, you see this all with the, the, there's so many amazing musicians of the past I can do, you know, to me, it's just like, that's, that's what you got to do. So I, I enjoy that because then someone might say a crazy tune that I haven't thought of to play that I do know that I forgot I knew. And then it's like, oh my God, that's a great tune. And and they actually last night I was doing it with a bunch of young jazz musicians that are just, it's just incredible huh? some of these these young kids out there. And someone said, Can you do any bar talk? And I pulled out this, you know, bar bar talk thing that I forgot I had known. So you you never know, but it's uh right. you know, <laughs> be be ready at all times. <laughs> well, it was so crazy because uh, you know, Steve Jay is an accomplished musician and he was throwing out music types that like Ethan and I had never heard of before, and you were like, Okay, I can do that, and then you did it. It was incredible. <laughs> Well, it's it's just studying, you know. It's in the world today. We have the internet, so you know it's it's so easy to go on YouTube and go into the YouTube tangents and study different genres of music, uh, you know, and just cross reference the crap out of everything. Just 
tons of cross-referencing. You know, you want to learn <laughs> French musette, there's got to be 2,000 videos on YouTube of different French musette players. You can see their fingers technique and listen to, and just say what's similar. And then you kind of get an idea of the genre uh, and, and then go from there. So it's the information's all there. You just got to spend the time to go do it. <laughs> now, I'm really curious about your accordion. And I know Dave started to mention this. I'm curious about... A, how it looks, but also B, how it works. So I guess let's start with, how did you create this incredible design? And can you tell our listeners who may not have seen it what it looks like and how you accomplished that? Well, for all the people that are currently Googling me <laughs> for this accordion, <laughs> it's the one that looks like a flame. Yeah. Uh, and and I'm, I'm a big racing guy. So this is where this comes from. You know, motorsports is my true love and my true passion. And... Uh, which is so related to the accordion, by the way, just so much. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, not at all. But so I thought of, um, I, I wanted, the, the accordion that I have comes in usually black or red and, and also white, a little rare to find the right white one. And I wanted to do something crazy because in the racing world, of course, you always have sponsors and different colors and different teams have different, uh, you know, liveries on, on the car. So I thought I want to have flames. Because why not? That'd be kind of cool. And it's yeah. somewhat car-related. And I couldn't find a company at all that, you know, would actually attempt this. They all said, well, uh, we do iPhones and uh, MacBooks um, and some other uh, different laptops. What do you need? It's like, um, yeah, this isn't going to work. <laughs> so I gave up on trying to find companies. And I went to the racing world. And I found a company that skins Lamar 24-hour cars, you know, endurance cars, wow. and also indie cars. Right. And they took on the project. And I had the CAD file. Don't ask how I got the CAD file. Uh, and <laughs> got that to them. And they, I, I basically had an NCAA tournament bracket of all the different skins I was thinking of. And I finally decided on the one that you see on it. And when they completed it, they said, this was the hardest skin we've ever done. Wow. Because it's so much more intricate than a car, even though a car is much bigger because it's mostly flat. The the accordion has all the grills and the doodahs everywhere, the little angles. And so they said, we never want to do it again. I was like, okay, I guess I better keep this one on. <laughs> um, but it's, the, it's, you know, the first skinned accordion, from what I know. Uh, and then I put lights in it, symmetric lights that go with the keys. It's the first accordion that has that. There are accordions that have had somewhat like that the lights but not quite like that one so i'm always looking at doing something new and you know i'm like the anti-role model person i've never understood the society we need more role models in this way no i'm the anti-role i look for what hasn't been done that's what i want right. to do if it's already been done it doesn't interest me so you know that's the idea so no one's ever skinned an accordion no one's ever put lights in the skin accordion no, no one's ever out there playing techno music with djs at clubs and people think they're dancing to a dj and they're dancing to an accordion player so i'll do that you know i'm always looking for something crazy to do so um, they, I mean, Weird Al, no one had ever used accordion for comedy. You know, that was, my goodness, who's ever who's ever thought of that idea? So, right. uh, yeah, you look, look for something different to do. So you have this incredibly skinned accordion, but can you explain to us how a digital accordion works, or is that even the right term for it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, electric accordion, electronic accordion, digital accordion. Um, so, believe it or not, the first electronic type of accordions came out in the late 50s and early hmm. 60s and were pretty prominent by the late 60s because there was a need for it uh, as accordion started dying off and especially in the early 60s when rock and roll came in and you know you, you had to play not accordion uh, the, the final 
kind of jump off the bridge last ditch effort was let's make the accordions electronic and see if people will still like them and it it really didn't work uh you'll see a lot of videos in the 70s of people playing electronic accordions in bands and they mostly play every sound but accordion hmm. but it, it still didn't didn't really work and and the thing is the bellows never worked so technically you were just playing the Steinway, the stomach Steinway, as it's called, right? You're just playing a keyboard, piano, organ on okay. your stomach. Okay. And the different system on the left hand. But you weren't really playing accordion because the heart and the soul of the accordion, which makes the accordion so special and so unique, is the bellows. Uh, but it wasn't until 2005 um, that first electronic, electronic accordion came out where the bellows actually mattered. And mm. that changed everything. Because now... It really amplifies, both literally and figuratively, uh, why the accordion is the most amazing instrument. Because you can't do this stuff on any other instrument, where you have both bellows control and touch sensitivity control. Every mm. instrument in the world is either touch sensitive, like a piano, or the drums, uh, or the guitar, or is you know you can control the volume at every millisecond, like a flute, or the voice, or a violin. But this has both. And you can control them differently. Uh, so you can be any instrument and be authentic to that instrument, as long as you're learning the technique right and playing every instrument to the, the way it's supposed to be played. The problem is too many people get electronic accordions, and they just play the exact same way they play in the acoustic on the electric. It's a completely different animal in the same way where, you know, you, you, if you actually had a Formula One race car to drive to go get groceries, you wouldn't drive it the same way as a Toyota Corolla. You still have to drive it differently. It's a totally different animal. Right. So uh, mm -hmm. it's... It's unique in that way, but but yeah, the, it's completely changed the game for what is possible with the accordion. And so, was it in two thousand five that you first started, you know, using that, or did you make the switch, or did you start on that in any way? No, um, it's no, no, no. So I, um, I didn't even get a hold of one until late two thousand six, even though I had heard about it earlier. I didn't actually get right on it, uh, and the first version was not that good at all compared to what is there now. But still, it was completely revolutionary. So it's like many inventions in history. The first one kind of sucked, but still, compared to what was in the <laughs> right, past, it was right. a complete revolution. Um, so the second version, which is really the one that you saw me play, you know, that one is it's just kind of perfect in so many ways. It just feels like a real accordion, yet I can do just anything really on it. So, um, but, but it sent shockwaves through the accordion world. Most all of the purists hated it. I mean, it's the same story in the harp world, the violin world, the piano world, every world that has had a revolution in electronics, which all happened earlier than the accordion. Um, there was revolt. There was hate. And, mm. you know, there still is in some of those worlds. And there certainly still is in the accordion world where people look at it and they scoff. Uh, but it wasn't until 2009 that the... CIA, which is the World Accordion Organization, not the other CIA, <laughs> although it acts like it sometimes, uh, that governs which competitions are allowed at the World Championships. So it wasn't until 2009 that they finally broke down and said, okay, we're going to have a category now for digital accordion. And I went to that mainly because it was in New Zealand. If it wasn't in New Zealand, I would have... Because uh, as much as I love competition, after I won the national title when I was 15, I was like, well, that's, that's really all the goals that I needed. I don't, you know, that, that, that's it for competition. I don't need any more than that. <laughs> right, but right. then when they said, well, it's, you know, it's, it's the first year they've ever had it and it's in New Zealand. And I went, okay, I'll be there. <laughs> so, nice. um, 
Plus, I didn't have to take my I didn't have to take my accordion because the accordions that they they were advertising they were the same. So they 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 are you know they're all the same in that way. So uh, it worked out. I just grabbed one there, and I won that. And then I retired for the second time, and, uh, and that's that's how that happened. Then then the then a jazz competition came up, and I unretired again, and I won that. And then I retired for the third time, and then the acoustic. Then people were saying, "Well, Corey, you know, you only won because uh, I kept hearing this accordion. Well, you know, of course you play electric good, but you can't play an acoustic. You know, you don't play acoustic. You could never, you know, compete with the top acoustic players out there. And you know, don't tell an Italian he can't do something. So, uh, and and plus this other co- this competition, uh, acoustic world championship, was on national television in Finland. So, I, and I, there would never been an American contestant because we haven't produced top accordion players really since the seventies and on back. So I said, this would be great for me to go there. And I went and I won that. (laughs) And then I promptly retired for the fourth time, becoming Brett Favre, the Brett Favre of the accordion. (laughs) But, um, and I've stayed retired since then. So, wow. Uh, yeah, I I haven't pulled uh, Brett Favre squared yet. Yeah. (laughs) Can you give us an understanding of what, happens at the world championships you know what is the competition like how is that judged and you know what did you do to win well it's like anything else you know whether it's a cello competition a violin competition or or the super bowl <laughs> yeah it's just a technique it's bellows technique right hand left hand bass control uh what is the difficulty of pieces that you're playing um my problem mostly with a lot of competitions is that they didn't take into account musicality enough, um, where it's just whoever made the least amount of mistakes, and then you rank that with the difficulty of the pieces, and there's your winner. And it's <laughs> like, well, there's a lot more to it than that. Um, but of course, different competitions yield different things. The reason, the other reason I went to the digital cap- category is because to rank a world championship on digital accordion, obviously you have to be judging how they use the accordion. Well, what does that mean, how they use the accordion? It means how many different sounds they use. And that means how many different sets they use. And that means how many different genres and varieties they have. And that fell right into my lap of, you know, large variety, different genres of music. I could really show off all the different genres and hence show off the accordion. So that fell right into my wheelhouse of what I can do. If you're talking straight accordion playing, yeah, I'm never going to compete with the Russians or the Chinese or the Eastern European players. I mean, these kids are stolen from teachers at 10 years old, live with their teacher, and by the time they're 15, they can play all of us under the table. You know, you're, you're never mm-hmm. going to be able to beat them. They practice eight hours a day, and that's what they do. But in terms of can you improvise over, you know, happy birthday, they're like, what? You know, they can't do that. Right. So, wow. and, and that's always what's like, I almost want to have a, a, a college in Europe to like teach all these amazing classical players, okay, You've got the playing down. That's step one <laughs> now. So um, the jazz one was jazz so that I could just, you know, that one's a little more subjective. But the acoustic one, that particular co- competition, the, the Primacy Colonum, which that whole thing is actually on YouTube. It's where I'm all in white. That's a whole other crazy story. Um, <laughs> but that one also, it was judged more on, you know, musicality and your technique because you had to play with a band. Now, again, that's in my wheelhouse. And I actually wrote out all the arrangements. I don't know if anybody else had ever done that. All the arrangements for the band and all, all my rounds, I, had, I wrote, out, wrote out everything. And I just made sure, I was like, there's going to be jazz-worthy guys here. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did a lot of improv, and I just made it fun. But, you know, you have to choose your battles. So, you know, I didn't win a world championship in classical accordion play. I'm, I, you could never, 
uh, beat these guys unless you really, you know, dedicate yourself to literally practice six to eight hours a day for a decade. Um, but you know, I, I try to have the, the the variety of it so that I can play all kinds of of, of different styles. Right. But yeah, it's it's judged on. Unlike anything else, I mean, music is, that's a whole other discussion, but music is far more objective than most people will say. It's, it's not, if, if it wasn't, the, you know, there's a reason why we revere the Art Tatums and the Stravinsky's and Tchaikovsky's and, uh, and Nat King Cole's and Mario Lanza's of the world. There's a reason. It, it, it is still very much an objective art. It's only when you get to the top level that we can start being much more subjective about it, but you know, there's a reason kids are practicing 10,000 hours and spending all this money to go to music college to become, quote unquote, great at music. Uh, and, and that's judged in these in these competitions. But there's a lot of politics, especially in the violin world and the piano world. You know, well, well this student played on a Bosendorfer and one of the judges is from Steinway. And, but like there's a lot. <laughs> and, and in the accordion world, too. Oh, you wouldn't believe the amount of politics that is involved in the accordion world, you'd be amazed. I mean, they, they could do, you know, a Manchurian candidate documentary on some of the crap that happens uh, in, in the accordion world. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for filling us in on that. And, and I'm probably going to be jumping around your career a little bit here, but I definitely want to hear about how you got involved with breaking the Guinness World Record for the longest continuing playing. Can you tell us about how that happened? Well, we need to stop the interview right there, but we will be back next episode with even more from Corey. Well, I can't wait to hear what Corey will share with us next, but in the meantime, be sure to head over to his website, cpezmusic.com and cpez or cpez on Instagram. This episode is brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota, uh, beautiful, it's also honorable. While many agree Darwin, Minnesota's highest honor belongs to Francis A. Johnson, the man who made the famous twine ball, some may call those people hooligans! That is right. While Francis A. Johnson deserves a lot of honor, he doesn't deserve all of the honor. We here at Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast and Discover Darwin want to honor one Michaela Nguyen. From humble beginnings in Darwin, Minnesota, Michaela went on to attend Southwest Minnesota State University in Marshall, Minnesota. Even though she's left her home and brought her smarts to the big city, she's still out there making Darwin proud. We are honored to report that Michaela received the honorable distinction of receiving honors on the Southwest Minnesota State University Spring 2022 Semester Dean's List. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, Congratulations and thank you to Michaela Nguyen. So visit Darwin, Minnesota on your next honorable expedition. Discover Darwin more than just a twine ball. And after you visit Darwin, Minnesota, be sure to visit discoverdarwin.biz. Whoa, you know what that means? Sounds like we've got a message on the 347 Spatula Hotline, the official hotline of Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. All right, intern Frank, let's hear that message. Hey, Dave and Ethan, it's your pal, Dana B. You know, while listening to your concert reviews, I've noticed there's a particular non-parody song that Al hasn't played at any of the shows you've attended, so I figured I'd take the liberty of singing it myself. Mm, we all have cell phones, so come on, let's get real. We all have cell phones, so come on, let's get real. Cell phones, let's get real. 
And there you have it. Hey, Al, if you happen to be listening, I'm expecting to hear the song in Philly in October. That's all, folks. Stay weird. Well, thank you so much, Dana, for that lovely rendition of We All Have Cell Phones. So come on, let's get real. Nice job, Dana. You should sing all of Weird Al's songs. Whoa, sounds like we've got yet another call on the Spatula Hotline. Let's hear it. Hello. I've been listening to your older episodes and trying to catch up. I was wondering, there was a episode of Al TV where they were promoting Stop Dragging My Car Around, I believe, and there was a giveaway for Weird Al's car. I believe it had a toaster in the dashboard. Did they actually give away this car? And if so, does somebody still have it? Thank you. I was hoping you might know this already, or you have it already yourself. Well, thank you for the call, mystery caller. While we don't know who you are, we do believe that you're talking about the 1977 Toyota featured in the Complete Al that was later given away on MTV. Well, here's what the Ask Al Q&A's column in the March slash April 1997 edition of the Midnight Star fanzine had to say about it. How much did you sell the 1977 Toyota featured in the Complete Al 4? Actually, I didn't want to go through the trouble of selling it, so I gave it away on MTV. It was part of a big MTV Let's Make a Deal style contest. You could win the David Bowie prize package, the Tom Petty prize package, or Weird Al's car. I guess my Toyota was supposed to be the Zonk Prize. The woman that wound up winning my car was a huge David Bowie fan, and when she found out on live TV that she'd gotten the Weird Al package instead, she was visibly upset, to put it mildly. Well, we hope that answered your question, Anonymous Caller. And for the record, no, Dave and I do not have that car in our collections yet. This is a special hamster alert to the Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast broadcast alert system. Sponsored by Jack Bateman. In this time of political division and civil unrest, have you considered how absorbent a hamster can be in a distressing moment? Well, Jack Bateman has, and he's providing the hamsters for this podcast so that any spilled coffee or personal emissions can be sanitized and removed immediately for your listening pleasure. You're welcome. That is all for this week's special hamster alert via the Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al Podcast broadcast alert system. Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al Podcast is brought to you absolutely free thanks to our incredible sponsors, Burrito Burrito, Discover Darwin, Jackson Scoggins, and Jack Bateman. Our podcast is also supported by everyone in our Patreon family, with special thanks to our amazing close personal friend level Patreon supporters, Kenneth, Scott, Zeb, Adriana, Allison, Blair, Frank from the Bank, Rim Jams, Jared and Rocky, Javier, Nancy, NES Josh 64, Gus and Alicia, Jake, and UH Jeff. Also thanks to our newest close personal friend level Patreon supporters, Mike and Matthew, as well as Wendy and everyone else in our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family. If you enjoy our wild and wacky Weird Al podcast, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash 2000 inch. There are awesome benefits like getting your name on the podcast, your very own private RSS feed, and access to secret episodes. 
And now would be a really good time to join if you have not already, because you will be the very first to hear our unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised Vanity Tour concert review bonus episodes. And don't forget to check out our official merchandise shop over at shop.2000inch.com. The unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised vanity tour continues to tour America. So make sure you get your orders in today for your incredible, pretty stinking majestic podcast merchandise. So you can brag to everyone that you support the world's greatest Weird Al podcast. We love hearing from our listeners and other Weird Al fans. So join our Facebook community and post about Weird Al by visiting group.2000inch.com. And be sure to also join our brand new Discord for even more riveting Weird Al related conversations. You can find links to both of these amazing fan communities over on our website. Plus, we also absolutely love getting messages on our 347 Spatula Hotline, the official patent-pending 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline. You might even hear your message in a future episode. For everything about our podcast, including our incredible past episodes and guests, be sure to visit weirdalpodcast.com or 2000inch.com. While you're there, click on Ridiculously Self-Indulgent bonus episodes to follow along with our adventures on tour. Or click on Black and White and Weird All Over bonus episodes for our special bonus episode book series where author and drummer John Bermuda Schwartz walks us through his book page by page and picture by picture. Keep up on all our new episodes and podcast news and events by following at 2000inch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thank you for subscribing and leaving reviews on your favorite podcast app. Make sure you are subscribed because it not only helps the podcast, it also strengthens your tongue muscles. Thank you once again to our guest, Corey Pesatoro. And also thanks to Mike Kelly, Diane Kelly, Peter Delakis, Luca, Chris Michaud, Adriana Yugovich, Dana B., the Queen of England, the Honorable Michaela Nguyen, and the Anonymous Caller. Thank you to the Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West for our incredible, amazing podcast theme song. And thank you to Weird Al Yankovic, as this podcast probably would not exist without him. And a big thank you to all of you, each and every one of our loyal listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who makes our podcast possible. Thank you all for choosing Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. And until next time, remember to gill and chill. Hey, Ethan, did you notice this post-it that our intern Frank left for us? Yeah, I saw it last week, but uh, I didn't really unfold it or read it. Well, do you think we should read it? I mean, it kind of looks important. If it was so important, why would our intern Frank post it last week instead of posting it this week? Because our intern Frank is an idiot. Okay, well, let me see. Well, here's what it says. And I quote, Dave and Ethan, don't forget to wish your pretty stinking majestic listeners a happy weasel stomping day and your Canadian listeners a happy Canada day and your American listeners a happy 4th of July. End quote. Well, thanks a lot, intern Frank. All three of those holidays have already passed. Weasel Stomping Day, you know, was on June 31st. Canada Day, back on July 1st. And the 4th of July being, uh, on, um, well, Monday. We will look like idiots if we mention those holidays now. Sheesh, can our intern Frank do anything right? 
Well, luckily, we already talked about Weasel Stopping Day, but from all of us here at Dave Nathan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast, we hope you had a wacky Weasel Stopping Day, a festive Canada Day, and a merry uh, Monday. Well, anyway, I do have a question, and I hope one of our fine Canadian listeners can answer it for me. Oh, you mean about Canada Day? Whatever that is? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm totally cool. I'm up to date on that one. It's actually about another holiday. Um... Sure, sure, Ethan. Uh, I'm curious to see where this one's going. Well, everyone knows that American Weasel Stomping Day falls on June 31st, but seeing as our neighbors up north don't seem to get the dates on holidays correct, do Canadians celebrate Canadian Weasel Stomping Day six weeks early? That was David Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al Podcast, episode 163 Inch. World-renowned champion vibra-slappers. Oh my God, what a guy. What a wonderful guy Steve J is.